I know this. You hadn't finished the rest of the room, so I was waiting to see what yeah. you were planning to do. Because I, I was going to say he wasn't going to compliment you till he knew you were finished. Yeah, well, I just, really. if you were anything that's like, like my all mom, my fucking dates. <laughs> if you're anything like my mom, she'll she'll change the design four or five times before she's quote yeah okay with it. I'm yeah. kind which of which is why I, I didn't want to say anything. I've been slowed up by this fucking right. thing too. You jammed your thumb. Yeah, you're wearing a brace. Yeah, a brace for a thumb that I purchased a decade ago because I've jammed that thumb before. Right. And I just, I hate it. Because it, it, it's, am, it's amazing how it just interferes with fucking everything. I took, oh, yeah. uh, I, took thumb? I took Duncan out, and it's my left thumb. It's not even like the dominant hand. But I took Duncan out uh, shopping, and when we got back to the house, I, I could barely help him carry in shit. I'm like, he's like grabbing four or five bags and carrying in it, and I grab one bag in my right hand and carry it in. Because it's just like, it's amazing how you can do something that doesn't even involve your thumb, but yep. you can feel, you can feel it. Hey, when when my rib was cracked, like the first two weeks, it yeah. didn't matter what I did. If I, if I shifted all my weight onto my right-hand side... You know, away from that, it yeah. would tug on it. If I try to put stuff in my left, no. So yeah, I was I I, yeah. I, I sympathize. I really do. The, the injustice of it all. Plus, it's my Mac in hand. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it your Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> South Park? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number five hundred and fifty-eight. I am Master Torgo. Eighties Jeff. No Mac and K. <laughs> we are to talk week and geek. Uh, if if it weren't, we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I'd say you can call somebody to help you with that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. Even the brothels are closed, okay? Yeah. Sorry. Are they? Yeah. Yes. Really? They yeah. don't have plexiglass and... <laughs> nope. Glory yeah. hole only? The, the, yeah. The, the naked gun full body costume, yeah. uh, you, condoms. You, you <laughs> saw... Did you see that, that meme somebody... They, 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 it was like a, a CDC thing where they yes. were talking about make sex different stuff. You know, have a right. separation between the two and everything. And one guy right. was like, "Mormon that shit." I'd never, <laughs> I never dreamed I'd see the day when the government was recommending glory holes. <laughs> so fucking true. This, this is the time to try out the new kink. <laughs> oh God, you might discover something you like. You know what? It's it's funny because this. This oh I forget I don't know who his name is but there's this one comedian he does a funny fucking thing where he talks about glory holes and he does it through the the zone of a woman who was like I'm as horny as any man I'm just really horny and he's like no you're not and let me explain to you how you're not <laughs> he talks about going to one of those sleazy bare cinder block wall buildings where the, you know they have the videos and all that and and the guy the owner who is just like in a t-shirt and overalls is is just like well you know that booth there that one's special and he's like, oh, and how is it special? Well, you know, and he describes them how to, you know, open up the hole and everything. And he's like, well, what's on the other side? And he's like, 
you don't know. <laughs> and the guy's a like... A milking machine that won't stop until... <laughs> yeah. And then they... Until reaches you, five quarts. You know, you just That'll, don't know. And the guy's like, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> I, I would be... And he's like, that... Is how horny men can get. <laughs> I, I would be interested to know with a global pandemic from a psychological standpoint whether it has led to an increase or decrease in fetishism. Yeah, really. Because and, there, and there, what there, kind there, of fetishism in the past too. there has been a correlation, like during the wars, sure. you know, you have the the increase in self pleasure versus like as soon as the troops return you know you get oh, the, yeah. the baby, boom baby boom and booms. so forth but well, th- there's the, but th- then it gets old real fast so they have to come up with new ways yeah. to stimulate each other there's the meme of uh and back in medieval times they would celebrate a plague breaking and and you know the end of a plague with with wild parties and orgies yeah oh and, that's and, actually true you know and it's just like oh okay <laughs> Well, I'm I'm ready for that whenever you know. <laughs> so so you mean it when you say you want to get medieval on somebody's ass? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's like, I was being literal. <laughs> there you go. Not figurative. <laughs> Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict. The <laughs> So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Uh, caught up on uh, the boys. Me too. All the boys is out. Yeah. And I'm pissed there's only one more episode only left. One Not more all episode. the boys are out. No. There's one boy left. This one Friday this is, one the, is, the, is the last episode. I was yeah. like, wait, we're only yeah. getting eight episodes this year? Of God course. damn it. Why not? And third season takes place in Okinawa, right? <laughs> Uh, if you're talking Cobra Kai in January, <laughs> yes. No, boys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, this season's been... Really, a bit of a joy. Crazy uh, things shit. that uh, I was not anticipating happening, happening, um, and I'm trying not. I'm trying to figure out how to say this without spoiling it because I know Appreciate you still haven't it. watched yep. it. Torgo. I haven't seen a bit of. Well, um, you know what? I, makeup effects have been outstanding. Yeah. I mean, it shocked me with some of the uh, the stuff that's happened. I, I know I've mentioned it on the um, yeah. the podcast before, but yeah, just things that I saw that I'm just like. The initial knee-jerk reaction is, oh, my God, that's horrible. And then, like, five minutes later, I'm like, that was pretty freaking awesome yeah. when you think about it from a behind-the-scenes aspect. Because I have uh, – there was a guy I went to film school with who was really, really good at makeup effects, and I got to help him every now and then and learned a little bit. I couldn't could never do any of the things he did, even though he taught me some little tricks. But when you th- know how much work goes into those types of things – you have a mad amount of respect when not only does somebody do something that incredible with a practical effect, that's just that takes it the next step. Because mm-hmm. you can do a lot of that CG now and sure. or, or do like CG enhancements, but when somebody goes that extra mile and does a real onset practical effect, in a lot of times something you can only do in one take because you don't have the mm-hmm. ability to do it again, I got to give a lot of props yeah. to that crew it's for doing stuff. what they've done yeah, so far. Great stuff there. And also the topical nature of it, too. It's really funny. A conservative I know on Facebook actually recorded a segment where somebody was talking about, like, their social media army. And it was really funny because he's like, the boys hits it nail on the head. They know what they're doing. And I'm sitting there like, you you realize you're sympathetic with the the fucking 
crypto fascist neo Nazi <laughs> asshole who's saying the line, but it, it it just like totally lost on him. I'm the bad guy. Yeah, and props to the woman who's playing Stormfront. Yeah, but boy, oh boy, is she playing smarmy asshole make you want to fucking hate her yeah very well (laughs) (laughs) and being attractive while doing it because you're like he's like i hate her so much but she's pretty too she's also pretty hot (laughs) she's also pretty hot just wanna it's (laughs) like you're just you can hardly wait for when she whatever is gonna happen yeah i don't know when whatever is gonna happen it one of the things about this that's so fucking weird is that the comics they were juiced with compound v yeah and the tv show is taking another approach right which really changes up a lot of shit yeah there's several things that have happened already so far that i know are way different than the comics oh, there's, so there's oh, yeah. tons they've, they've established that, their own but that version the fact for that sure. they're not you know that the female is the only one who is uh, juiced that is, I think, like the biggest divergence that yeah. they've taken, and I'm really interested if they stick with it, or if they're if they're going to make another decision, or what, because it's really because it changes a hell of a lot. It does, right. but I could see them making that a hell a cliffhanger on the end of a season. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, I mean, I would expect like hovering over the arm with a with a uh, syringe. And just sort of like, are we or aren't we? And, you know, then next season on Du Bois. Oh, I could even right. see him go as far as jamming it in and then credits. Right. right. Well, there is that, I wouldn't too. put it past Kripke. I mean, he's, yeah. so, he's, you know. he's done some twists this season that I just was like, I did not see that coming. No, there, are some, there have been some real choices. So I got to say that, that Aaron Moriarty uh, that plays uh, Starlight. Starlight, she's... I, they're doing. I I thought they were going to kind of minimize her role this season. Now that she's part of the seven, but they've really done a good job with making her both front and center, right? And being kind of a almost a driving force in what's going on in this right. this season. And she's just adorable too. So yeah, I I do. It's so funny, like the outfit that they've gotten for her, and they've had her in it more this season. I'm like at the same time, I'm looking at. It, I'm like, I like her better in the normal plain clothes than yes. any no, no, than the starlight so. outfit it, it's and i think that's kind of the point that they're trying yeah. to they're, she, you know like yeah. when you over sexualize somebody they become less appealing perhaps well and she she's also she has stated that she's yeah. uncomfortable in that outfit oh yeah that thing has got all sorts of shit going on yeah she yeah she said it's got layers that go on and, and push inserts and, and yeah. it's it's difficult to get into because it's right. really tight so it's it's sort of like yeah, I think you're right. It plays into her being visibly uncomfortable. Plus, yeah. you know, it, it, well, but I mean, it's even it's, a wig. Even the character <laughs> is visibly un. Or even the character yes. no, no, no. is in, uncomfortable being in that outfit. Right. So the actor being able to play being uncomfortable in that, yeah. it's not as much of a stretch. I think you know, ah, call stretch. It, call it. Call I, it. Meth- do? Call it method or whatever you want to call it. But uh, well, mm-hmm. that would be method. I think it yeah, de- yeah. definitely helps in the portrayal. Maybe sure, sure. I don't know. You guys are the actors. I, I have to. Oh well, no, no, just, no. We know. Tell <laughs> us, tell us more. But <laughs> well, we'll tell you all about what they did. Yeah, n- next thing you know, some guy with no medical degree is going to tell us all about uh, epidemiology. So. <laughs> But, well, uh, you mean that doesn't happen? Uh, huh, that's, that's weird. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm definitely enjoying that. I, I still haven't caught up on Lovecraft Country, so I, I got to catch up on that. And I'm way behind on Cobra Kai. I did uh, get a recommendation. Well, actually, everybody got a recommendation in the Shock Monkey's Lair from Captain Luddite for a series that's new to Amazon Prime Video called uh, Tales from the Loop. I uh, started watching that. actually finished it up this afternoon. Well, actually, sorry, this morning. Excuse me. Tell us about Tales from the Loop. Uh, it's really interesting. It's a, I want to call it a, a, uh, a short anthology series. It's only eight episodes long. That's short. Um, each episode's about 48 minutes. Okay. Proper story um, time. And they're all connected. The premise is there is a company that is a science company that has an what they call the the loop which is this also known as the underground it's this underground facility where science takes place but it's very vague about what kind of science, science. happens well, that's, here that's, that's, the thing. that's the thing like they never really state what's going on down there mm-hmm. but it's implied that what's going on in this loop is the source of all these strange occurrences that are going on in this town it centers it's, around it's over a hell mouth that's what's happening okay? <laughs> right it centers around a very uh small group of people that are in this this small town that are all connected in in you know not just because they all work together but in in other ways that i don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen it but uh it's really interesting and and honestly i mean you would think there's each story would have a solid beginning middle and end and they don't really because they're all kind of tied together. Mm-hmm. So you really have to watch all eight episodes to figure out, okay, so the story that started in episode one, even though you have an, an, another story that's the focus of episodes two, three, et cetera, you almost have to watch through all the way to episode eight to learn anything about, I'm going to say, the denouement of episode one. Because, so you're saying it's a big loop. Yeah, essentially. Wow. I see what they did there. Oh. And it has some kind of time... <sighs> not not time travel, but time uh-huh. uh-huh. relatedness. So it, so it's that still, definitely still played weird. into my. It, uh, there's time involved, okay. Yes. Okay. It plays with time. I mean, th- th- there's a little time travel, but I don't want to <laughs> say too much more than that. So it's it's just sort a hint of, of time travel. Sort of okay. time travel, just but not hint. really. They go back seven seconds. Just a skosh. Sort seven of, seconds. Sort of, but once. not really. Which will make sense if you actually watch it. You'll be like, oh, I see what he was saying. They took a nap. Woke up two hours earlier. Time travel, or several decades yeah. later. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's something I got to watch this week. Tales from the Loop, and you said it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon right. Prime Video. Yep, Fantastic. Amazon Prime Video. There's another one that just popped up in Amazon Prime Video that I want to watch. It's got uh, John Cusack and Rain Wilson in it, and I totally forgot the name of it. I meant to write it down, but uh, it looks pretty silly and fun. So. Okay, so you haven't watched it? So just no, catching your eye. Yeah, it's something okay. that caught my eye while I was, you know, mm. watching. Tales from the Loop, because mm. unfortunately, Amazon Prime Video likes to throw an ad for their other things in the first, like, 15 seconds while you're waiting for your episode to start, <laughs> which you can skip. It's just a matter of you have to actually go through and hit the skip intro button for it to skip that ad. And sometimes you have to hit it twice, because the first time... <laughs> well, first time... So you'll have to hit it three times. Well, the first time you hit skip intro... Do you, are you sure? Well, what I'm saying is when you tap it, you're thinking, oh, it's going to skip everything to the end of the opening credits. 
And sometimes it just, which it does. Instead, it takes a nap and wakes up two hours earlier. And sometimes it just skips the ad and then rolls you into the credits instead of skipping everything. So you have to be vigilant with the skip intro button. (laughs) You might have to hit it twice. At least it happened that way for me. I went on a little video game video game playing time this week. Imagine what? that, dude! It, it it is my comfort. It is my my happiness. Mm. I played Far Cry New Dawn, mm. which okay. was the official add-on sequel to Far Cry Five. Okay, if you're not familiar, Far Far Cry Five was really interesting, and I think of all the Far Cry games, it had the best ending because it was goddamn downer. And I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it for you. Because that's the most recent one with yes. the uh, the kind of cult. Yes, okay. the, the religious cult in Montana. Yeah. Okay, it's and and at the time it was like the right wing was like, oh no, they're going after religious cults, and then like, yeah, kind of because you deserve it. And <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but the whole idea was that there was this awful, torturous individual in Montana that was basically swallowing up the whole area and forcing people to be part of his religious cult, right. and you were sent in as a ranger to deal with the problem. And the cult leader is. I'm going to spoil this game. Like I said, it's gonna. It's been out for a while. It's been out for like three years. Uh, yeah, three, three, three years. I can't talk now. And <laughs> and Far Cry New Dawn, just his existence and his description, basically spoils that game. Oh yeah, yeah. So the, its existence is the spoiler of the game. Uh, so if if you, if you so I've been wanting to play Far Cry Five for ages. Don't spoil it for me. Skip ahead. Yeah. This guy, of course, has been saying this is the I'm great. I'm growing my flock because it's the end of the world is coming, right? And I feel fine. And of course, at the end, you confront the dude and so on. And as you're confronting the dude at the end of Far Cry Five, there's a mushroom, uh, a mushroom cloud, crowd in mushroom cloud in ah, the re- you. <laughs> recent distance, or vice versa, and the world fucking ends. Oh, and you are dragged into a bunker with him oh no and it is just the two of you that will be surviving this holocaust so far cry becomes fallout far cry becomes holy fuck it ended with me being locked in a bunker with a religious madman could be worse. You could great. be locked in a closet with vanna white great thank you thank you al <laughs> a, a great ending because you're just like what the fuck just happened Far Cry New Dawn takes place 17 years later. I, I, the character what, is the son of you and the religious fanatic? Uh, if only, because that would have been some a, a miracle. <laughs> that would have shown off the, yes. Wow. God works in mysterious ways. Uh, of course, you're a whole new character. Uh, the, the world has started to grow back. In fact, it's in a, a mega bloom, and it's one thing I really liked about the design on this is that, yes, you are in a post-apocalyptic world, but nature has taken back over. Right. So everything is just lush yeah. and beautiful, and you see the remnants. Now, Far Cry New Dawn is not a full-fledged sequel to Far Cry 5. It They took the same engine and the same map, and it's one of the reasons I waited, but I'll come back to that. And just redesigned it. Took those same buildings that was in Far Cry 5 and then put them under the nuclear devastation and then put beautiful pink poppies over everything. Huh, interesting. 
and the whole thing is that now the wasteland is ruled by these gangs and this people started to come out of their own bunkers, other bunkers that are out there. Uh, you are a are part of a group that have been traveling to various areas of the United States to help get things back on track. And then you uh, go against the new bad guy leaders of uh, twins that are leaders of this Mad Maxian gang. Hmm. Uh, Far Cry New Dawn. I waited to play it because I knew this information going in. Mm. If I would have played this after I finished Far Cry 5, I would have hated it. Oh, yeah? Yes, because it's more of the same, for one, and it's more of the same in the same place that just kind of looks different. In fact, I was starting to get really tired of it about, I would say, about halfway through because I'm like, even though I haven't played this, the game this is based on for years, I'm already, I've already got a, yeah, I've already been here and done that feel about it. Oh, okay. Uh, if you play Far Cry New Dawn, don't worry about side stuff. And that's coming from a guy that loves side quests in games and likes to complete everything. I don't yeah, like you to, do. <laughs> I don't like to find like find all the the hidden statues. I don't like that. That bores me. But all the little things like take. Uh, help out this go in and clear out all the infestations of the mad maxians uh that side quest or or go on these little tre- places where treasure places have been they go on the little treasure hunts i'm like oh I'm all, I'm all about it thank you very much uh and this one they got old quickly but the storyline was interesting enough that it kept me playing to the end and i'm not going to spoil the end of this one because it isn't as new as far cry 5 I enjoyed it overall, but I'm still not sure what the message was. Okay. Uh, but it does give a decent denouement of the ending of Far Cry 5. Okay. Like, if you wanted to go, what happened next in that crazy fucking moment? This does answer it and answers it in a very interesting way. And it is much shorter than your average Far Cry game. Okay. So it comes down to if you liked Far Cry 5 and for some reason haven't played New Dawn yet, uh, it's worth revisiting if you've waited this long. But if you're like Far Cry 5 and never finished it, there's no reason to do New Dawn because its whole existence is to tell you what happened next in the story. And it does put a nice cap on it. And you do find out what happened to the deputy that you played in the other one. Oh, okay. So it, it, it does do a good job of answering those questions. Very interesting. So when I was done with that, I played Minecraft. Ah. Dungeons. Okay. Yes, Minecraft Dungeons is an entirely different game. Okay. Yeah, it is the second Minecraft title that uh, Microsoft has released, and the first one that they have released on their own. Hmm. Um, and so that's for those that wondering, why were you not playing real Minecraft? Well, I was playing this other Minecraft. That's why. Uh, and I, I was ready to uh, really hate it. I was. Uh, in Minecraft Dungeons is simplified Diablo. Okay. Mm. Very, very much so. And th- when I first started, I'm like, okay, this is simplified to the point of being boring. Like uh, the Torchlight games is kind of simpl- simplified Diablo when it comes down to it. And this is simpler than that. Hmm. It has the Minecraft aesthetic. Everything is all blocky and... But the whole idea is 
you wander around area and grab loot and and upgrade your stuff and nice but but as i continued playing it i kept wanting to play it more like when i've been revisiting diablo 3 i hit a wall on it really fast yeah. because the upgrade of the characters like you don't have a purpose in doing anything the the you're upgrading stats to punch harder yes um this has a really interesting leveling mechanic where of course when you level you get more hit points but you get an enchantment point in every weapon that you have and there's various handheld weapons and various bows and various armor but every one that you get has a different set of enchantments and you choose between enchantments on how you want that piece to be enchanted like you might want it to have a 30 percent chance to call down lightning or you might want to just enchant it to hit harder. Or you might want to enchant it to give you, drop you an extra food uh, for healing every time you use your healing ability. Mm. Okay. And it allows you to fine tune to how you want to play it a little more. Mm-hmm. It, that part has really, really appealed to me. And at first I was kind of annoyed by it because of like, what well, this mechanic? Because you can't use it for much. You get one point and you can use it against something. But as you grow the amount of enchantment points that you get and you enchant more gear and make it stronger, and whenever you put an enchantment on the gear, it's permanent until you destroy that gear. So whenever you get a new piece of, let's say, a new sword that has a different set of enchantments on it, and the sword itself is stronger, but it doesn't have the same enchantments on it of the sword that you've been using. So you might go with the sword that was weaker that you've been using than the new one that is stronger just because you like the enchantment on it better because it gives you a 30% chance to spawn an angry bee as a summon. (laughs) All right? Mm -hmm. Killer bees. But if you do destroy that piece that has the killer bee enchantment that you love on it you get those enchantment points back you don't lose them so you those are always available for you to apply to a new weapon or armor as long as you destroy the other one first Mm -hmm. so there is a lot of weighing back and forth like do i want to what do i like better right and it does have a a thing that Diablo doesn't have where you can choose like with Diablo, you can eventually increase the difficulty to get better gear, but you kind of have to defeat the game to do that. This one, you can increase the difficulty of any dungeon you want and take on a higher difficulty and get better treasure and get better loot because your level is not based on what level you are, but the power of the items that you have found. Yar. So it might behoove you to go and do a tougher level to get better items to continue on the story. And the continue on the story is kill the foozle. It's like all of the, it's Diablo. It is Diablo. And I will say this for those of you out there who have young children and are like, uh, you know what? I, I really want to introduce my kid to like Diablo style games, but without the heavy, dark and, and, and evil and dismal art style that those games tend to have this is a great introduction to a more complex game it's kind of like when you have 
uh, a board game where you like you use Settlers of Catan to introduce somebody to European style board game rules. Right. It's a great introductory game to then lead others to more complex board games later. Yeah, this is that for video games. It's obviously meant for a younger crowd, but it's entertaining enough that it's kept me coming back to it. And I will probably at least finish the story out. I don't know how much longevity it'll have after that. I can't imagine it would because it doesn't seem to have like that roguelike element where every time you go back and do a level, it's changed now. Mm-hmm. No, every time you go back a level, you're doing the same level again. Mm-hmm. The monsters might change, but the layout's the same. Right. It has that familiarity that I think that kids could really embrace. So if, you, if you're trying to get kids into video games, especially action role-playing video games, this is a fantastic introduction to it. Very good recommendation. So, so I'm sorry that I wasn't on Minecraft, and that's why, because I was playing the other Minecraft. Well, uh, what server is this on, and who can join you playing <laughs> Minecraft Dungeons? <laughs> uh, anybody that owns it, my understanding, and I'm guess, I think they have like cross-play if you have Xbox and PC. Really? Yeah. So so you could like collaborate in, uh, going through Minecraft dungeons? Yes, although it doesn't have the creative factor. There is no tearing down and building of blocks in this at all. This is oh, Diablo. Too bad. So, yeah, you can get together and play Diablo just like you can get together and play this. Yeah. It's not going to be the same kind of thing as doing like a full Minecraft collaboration or where you Too have bad. a creative and entertaining input to it. I would have loved to have seen you go through with uh, Vlarg and setting up puffer fish uh, uh, traps for the, you know, some ogre or something coming after you. And Well, they did have the Minecraft Virtual Con this weekend. Mm-hmm. Happens every year and they... Oh announced the next upgrade that they're going to throw into Ooh. Minecraft. Yeah. It's going to be the Mountains and Caves edition. They're adding new... Archaeology. I saw yes, that. that archaeology, actually intrigued me. new creatures. One interesting thing on there is they're going to have kind of sound-based uh, redstone, basically wireless redstone. Sound is going to be a piece of issue in Minecraft now. There's a new monster that it can't see. It can only hear. So if you make a lot of noise, it comes to you T-Rex style. Oh, wow. But it also allows you to make contraptions that are sound sensitive, that don't go off until it hears something from a specific direction. Hmm. So that's going to really open up the whole rest zone aspect of it. And they got the mountain goat now that they've added, which is going to, it can jump three blocks and then, then butt you and can knock you off a mountain and kill you. So you're saying there's a slight possibility that Barry's base may be full of mountain goats in the near no. future. Mountain goats are dangerous as fuck. I'm not getting <laughs> close to them. So what you're saying is in the near future, your base might be full of mountain yes, goats. Yes, okay. that's exactly what I'm saying. That does okay. sound more like a Barry thing now that I say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but Barry's going to love it because of the redstone aspect. Fuck you, Torgo. And every time they've been adding a new thing in the last bunch of updates, it really just ups the impressive game that Minecraft is. Go Minecraft. Anything else you do this week, guys? Um, 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 I, I, I think I forgot to announce, but, uh, I've got the, uh, I've got the Jeff Conkle, uh, Citadel of the Fallen on Kindle now. Mm. Our, our Jeff's, uh, book, so. Fant- you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to, uh, uh, we got, I'm not going to mail yet. 
Oh, uh, but okay. we did get mail from Jeff, so this is a good time to read. It. Oh, okay. And He's, still didn't get mail from from Andy. I, he he just doesn't know how to use email yeah, apparently. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jeff writes, uh, just dropping a little note to let folks know the book is officially out. Yes, it's officially it, official. And he says, any kind of word of mouth, social media, or sacrificial rituals you can perform on behalf would be appreciated. Uh, you can get the Kindle version on Amazon or order physical copies. Uh, it shows up if you search for Citadel of the Fallen or J.R. Conkle. That's K-O-N-K-O-L. J-R. Yeah, like, ah. I like that. That's a good choice. He needed another R in there. Yes. Just remember to speak the words before you pick up the book, because otherwise we're all fucked. Right. Oh, wait. That's already happened. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I want to damn it, Ash. Put this more to a discussion with the uh, book club, but I would for next month like to have uh, Jeff Conkle's book for the book club as the read. Ah, that's a good idea. Uh, so uh, th- th- stew on that a little bit, uh, book club members. You uh, stew, and uh, we we if ev- if everyone's f- for the most part in agreement. Uh, we'll probably forego the poll next month and just read Jeff Conkle's book. That sounds like a great idea. So, Citadel of the Fall. I mean, I it fits right so. in, and I've been wanting to read it. He's I I, I did not do dil- due diligence because he has sent me chapters as he was writing it. Mm-hmm. That's and forgo so, the poll, okay, not go for the poll. But when it comes down yeah. to it, I would rather read the final copy. Story of my life. And... <laughs> support the offer and purchase a final copy yeah so that that's kind of and, why I, know, I didn't because i want to read the final piece america's citadel has fallen so you know let's just be topical <laughs> and and speaking of book clubs uh, the book club has voted and they voted on the book the only good indians by stephen graham jones uh, here's how Amazon describes it. Seamlessly blending classic horror and dramatic narrative with sharp social commentary. The only good Indians follows four American Indian men after a disturbing event from their youth puts them in a desperate struggle for their lives. Tracked by an entity bent on revenge, these childhood friends are helpless as the culture and traditions they left behind catch up to them in a violent, vengeful way. So again, The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. I'm about 20% through it. I'm really enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and we uh, mm-hmm. we have read a Stephen Graham Jones book uh, in the book club already. Oh, uh, the last final girl, which was oh. which was an excellent read. Mm-hmm. So I remember you raving about that one. Yeah. So I, I'm this this is already just good stuff. So so good call on the poll selecting good this stuff. one. Uh, but again, uh, for next month, please uh, keep in mind Jeff Conkle's Citadel. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Let's do it. So you've got your copy. Yes. On Kindle. I Well, I have, uh, I got a physical copy and uh, we got a physical right. copy, I guess I should say. <laughs> but I also got the Kindle. We got a physical Rock. copy that you possess. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> has, has not made it around to the rest of the, uh, the yeah. staff yet. Yeah. <laughs> but the staff infection has, so it's kind of works yeah. out. Yeah. Is that what it is? We hope. <laughs> Anything else you do this week, guys? I'm sure there is, but it's not. I'll, I'll throw one more thing in. It's Ooh, not video games. So, uh, I watched uh, a movie that I have not seen probably since 82. 
Oh. So as a young kid, I remember watching this on RCA video disc at a friend's house. Oh, the old RCA video disc. And so I, I, I don't know why it popped into my head one day, but I went on to the Netflix d- disc queue and they had it. In fact, the DVD they sent me was a pressing from 2002. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's My Bodyguard. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my Bodyguard. <laughs> About a kid who moves to Chicago, new school, gets roughed up by a young Dylan, Matt Dylan. Yep. A very young Matt Dylan. Very young Matt Dylan. And hires the local uh, kid that everyone's afraid of to be his bodyguard against the bullies. And the yep. friendship that they gain and the trials and tribulations thus therein. It is a after school special extended into movie length. Yeah, it actually has that feel. It, 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 the music doesn't help. Mm-hmm. The music is very after school special. It just yeah. seems so out of place, but it is charming. Uh, Adam Baldwin plays the uh, the yeah. rough. Yep. And does I think pre Gamergate right. Baldwin. Uh, Oh, uh, Joan Cusack in one of her first roles is in this movie. God, yeah. I mean, everybody just... And, of course, one of my favorite early 80s, late 70s actors, uh, Mike Makepeace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the uh, the kid that was the lead kid in Meatballs. Yep. You know? It just doesn't matter. It yeah. just doesn't matter. And, and he was also in Mazes and Monsters, by the way. So it's... it's And he's always kind of plays that same kind of character and always has that same wild hair. Yeah, and I'm not going to say it's a good movie. It is a charming movie. It was obviously cast in Chicago, okay, because you see so many people that were in uh, unknowns at the time that were in. Uh, oh shoot, what's the uh, the comedy troupe that's there? Second City. Second City. So uh, like Martin Mull is in yes. it. Uh, George Went is in it. Yeah. Um, Tim Kazariski is in it. Oh God! So and 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 like and not in like roles. They're in like just little background pieces that you can say that they their agent sent them to, on this audition and they got the role <laughs> as the maintenance guy and not really even doing comedy, just playing these background roles. Yep. And it's it's kind of fun to watch in that regard. So definitely an eighty. So if like- you want a weird little trip of just seeing comedy stars and what Layward would be the bigger stars. In very early roles, like kid, just plain kids, uh, this is it. See this movie for that I, reason. If you can find it, it's not easy to find. It's probably it's all. There's probably on YouTube. I imagine that's something to be found on YouTube. It's near forgotten. Yeah, there's so many of those '80s movies that just came and went and had people that became big stars later. It was the on. sleeper hit of the summer. Yeah. It made really good money for its time. I just, the other day, watched... 1981's when it came out. Probably for the first time in over 20 years, uh, The Manhattan Project was on. Oh, wow. Which, you know, it's you know anybody hasn't seen it, spoiler alert, 40 years later, uh, John Lithgow plays a scientist that works at a, uh, a lab that's refining plutonium, and the son of the woman that he's dating sneaks into the lab, steals some of the plutonium, and makes his own nuclear weapon and you know it's chaos ensues from there but uh it just reminded me most of the film is fairly forgettable it's it's definitely an 80 centric film it is a product of its time so much of what's in the film is 
very 80s cinema and and fairly easily forgotten. But what did stand out to me is every time I see John Lithgow in something, it's, it just reminds me how amazing of an actor he is because the the beginnings of this role, he's very matter-of-fact, kind of to the point, you know, that kind of science-minded but still fascinated with things that the, the military counterpart who is uh, played by the guy that played Frazier's father, whose name escapes me right now. I'm excited by science, whereas I'm only, you know, the military guy is only seeing the, the downsides and the, the weaponization aspects of it. And everything is, I fear everything that could happen that could go bad with, with these discoveries and, or if this got out of our control kind of thing um, to the point where, Lithgow starts to ham it up a little towards the end, but not in a way that make you go, oh God, it's so hammy. It's like, it's, it's situationally poignant when he does it. It's not just being hammy for the sake of being hammy. It's because the situation that he's in at that exact moment calls for that kind of, I'm going to throw caution to the wind and be a little crazy because I need to convince these people that I'm going to do what I'm saying I'm going to do. And, uh, it just works. So, you know, in a film that's mostly forgettable, he definitely stands out. So, anyway, that's just the thought I had. Since, yeah, I, since I never, you, you mentioned 80s and it reminded me I watched that last week. I remember week. that it existed. I've never seen it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, you're not missing that much, but if you are a fan of, you know, John Lithgow, I would recommend watching it just for that because the kid that plays the lead's kind of annoying. Okay. <laughs> you know, the kid that makes the atomic well, bomb. Well, you know, standard 80s movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's an interesting film. It's not something that you would necessarily watch over and over again. Like, I loved War Games because I think the, the message then is just as important now as it was back there in the height of the Cold War. But, but that, was, that was also one of the high watermark for uh, that kind of movie, yeah. too. Yeah. The uh, the intelligent kid really upsetting the apple cart and not meaning to and realizing he made the mistake and trying to yeah. to fix it yeah. but to no avail. Roderick was very good and, and uh, the whole surrounding uh, cast and the story was actually very yeah. very good too. And it's and and for such a short film because I want to say War Games is only about like ninety five maybe a hundred minutes long. Yeah. It's it's not a super long film, but every second of that film is packed with. Yeah, important social commentary, which is ironic because you think that film's almost forty years old. Yes. You know, you would think, okay, it made perfect sense for that time, and we've moved past the Cold War, and we, you know, the potential of nuclear annihilation, and it's weird how little of those lessons we truly learned from back then, and are in some ways still repeating almost forty years later. It's it's kind of fascinating. So if you've never watched War Games, watch War Games. Yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's do a little mail. Mail. Oh, shit. I think we did find Andy's email. Damn it. What? I mean, good. Good. <laughs> what? Uh, so, uh, yes, this uh, next email is from our very own uh, fact check, Andy. And, uh, and it reads as follows. Uh, regarding last week's red light, green light, which is now last week, last week's, two weeks ago's red light, green light. Yes. You are all wrongity wrong wrong about RoboCop without RoboCop. <laughs> oh, boy. It could be an amazing show if it's done well. Your mistake, you know, he, he 
Our mistake. Yeah, he's very engaging. Uh, your mistake comes from believing the original RoboCop was about robots and cops and stapling the two together. No. No. That's no, not what never, we said at all. No, no one ever thought that. <laughs> it's about retaining your humanity in a world increasingly overrun with technology. Well, that's one of the themes of the, the It's movie. about corporate greed that was coming into its own in the 80s. That's another one. The cops and robbers stuff was just there to make you watch a brilliant takedown of the corporate culture that values money over people. So the show ideally well the so the show ideally well mix elements of Mad Men, Blacklist, Wall Street and Breaking Bad. It couldn't mix those things. And he needs an editor. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll He's so used to having one. We'll watch as idealistic dick. <laughs> There's the title of the episode right there, Idealistic Dick. (laughs) Way to go, Andy. You named the episode and you're not even here. (laughs) Oh, he's probably very happy. Oh, sure. In fact, you probably wrote that thinking that. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Will Watch's Idealistic Dick is slowly and exorably, exorably, exorably. Inexorably? Yeah, that's what I said. Corrupted by the corporate culture and loses a little bit of his soul each episode while he becomes more ruthless, powerful, and rich. We can see the beginnings of Delta City and how the corporation leverages fear and sows chaos to sell up their concept of city to city officials. We'll see the world in which entertainment has been dumbed down to the lowest common denominator. The original movie was made before reality shows and the series will give them a chance to skewer those and lampoon a world where everybody is viewed as simply a winner or a loser in a zero-sum game. A culture that is trading its humanity for a bigger house than anyone could possibly need and a brand new SUX 6000. And that, my friends, is a show, well, I'd buy that for a dollar. Lover and Snickerdoodles, placeholder Andy. Well, Andy, you're assuming that he's the, the standardized movie, good boy goes to bad company, becomes corrupted by bad company, becomes bad archetype versus the modern psychological take on a lot of corporate CEOs and upper management that seems to show that a lot of them have some kind of psychopathy or sociopathic tendencies prior to getting employed. And all that does is reinforce those notions that they can do whatever they want, get away with whatever they want, because there are no repercussions for that. Well, the, so, and the, the system, yeah, the system, the system en- reinforces that encourages that, that it, it, yes. it, they, that thrives in that kind of system. Cause that's what you need to have a short term, uh, increased shareholder value, yep. um, uh, environment. It is really fascinating. If anybody is interested in psychology of, corporate structures there 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 has been some fascinating studies on the parallels between the behaviors of people in corporate structures that are in upper management and serial killers you know full-on psychopaths and the similarities in their thought processes and how they process information and and all that stuff. And well, wasn't that, the lack of empathy and so forth that that it takes to become successful in a large right. corporation, and what it takes to become successful in that kind of mentality in, in of, the serial of a serial culture. killer, yes. serial killer culture. But wasn't that wasn't that part of the uh, wasn't that one of the underlying commentaries in um, American Psycho? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's because it's like in it's, the book more so than the well, movie. Well, yeah, yeah. The movie does hint at it, but the movie also leaves it vague. Whereas whether everything that you're seeing on screen is real or right in well, the so mind. Does, of, so does the book. Well, yeah, takes, takes unre- even more so. Takes does. unreliable narr- yes, yes. narrator yes. to the point where even the telling of the narrator's story is unreliable, so you have no clue where the fuck well, you yeah, are. Well, and, yeah, and, and at certain points, even the narrator isn't sure what is and isn't right, right. real, especially I still, towards yeah, the end. I, I, I never read the book, mm-hmm. but you know, I heard the all the, the to-do about it, and then when I heard how the book actually went, it was sort of like... I will you, say... W- w- why why are you people getting up it, it's one of those it's there, a yet there another are, there are extreme graphic moments yeah. in the book there's no doubt about it uh i but i will say that yes the 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 book is extreme in the unreliable narrator right and it's obvious so i mean so much so that the books almost uh paints a almost trumpian picture they're, 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 Golly gee! Yeah, yeah the, the the two are very similar. The two. I was going to say the the book <laughs> of life and that the book is. I, I won't. I don't want to say it's so different from the film, right. but it's different enough from the film that I know at the time that it came out, a lot of people who were passionate fans of the book hated the movie. Right. I have read the book and I love the movie, so I. I personally believe yeah, you can you enjoy are a both. Psychopath. Of course. Well, yeah. I, I, I have no I have no empathy. No empathy whatsoever, um, Jeff. You know, I lack emotions. Yeah. So you know. Oh well um, you know, fucking resident Vulcan here. I do absolutely enjoy the book and I absolutely enjoy the film. Jeff the Walking and PC. In my own personal opinion, they're two very different things. Right. So they can each exist on their own mm-hmm. and have their own fan bases right. and don't have to be connected so much you know, beyond the name. Okay. But that's me. Again, you know, people are yeah. when emotions become involved, get right. make irrational statements. So. Yeah. When I finished the book, I didn't really like it. Well, but it's, but it's part of the point. Yeah, um, it's, it, you're but not it's, supposed it, to like the characters right. in the book. Not not that, but I mean just the the whole thing, the whole not even the characters, the whole event. Well, but yeah. it is written really well. Yeah, it's it does a so good well. job in doing what it's trying right. to do. So take that, Andy. Uh, <laughs> now, as far yeah, going back to RoboCop here, uh, Andy, I, I take your points very to heart on this. I, I agree with your assessment of how the show could go uh but i also agree with that assessment that that show that you're describing isn't necessarily robocop tangent we've had shows like that uh without that sci-fi element of it and i think setting it in i think using that say let's use the robocop world to tell this other story but i don't think that's what will bring eyeballs to right to the show. Right. I, I think the reaction of the average person who they're going to try to get to watch this is going to be, when does Robocop show yeah, up? I was just yeah. going to say the same thing. So if the show you're describing is an interesting one, Andy. Or could be an interesting right. one. Right. If uh, it's done well. But I think putting it in the Robocop universe actually hinders it in that regard that people that would come for this story that you're describing 
aren't necessarily going to come to a RoboCop one. And the ones that are coming there for RoboCop aren't going to get RoboCop, so who's the winner? The very few niche people that want the two of them, which is very small and very niche, yeah. and that's why we red-light it. Part of the part of our... We our didn't red-light it because we don't like... Yeah. We red-light it because we don't think it's going to work. It it It's just... I don't see much point in doing... <clears throat> doing this precisely because whatever commentary is being made in the movie, RoboCop is still about RoboCop. Right. And so without RoboCop, you could just go ahead and make a whole new world. And, and you know, the, the issues to discuss are so foundational and so uh, basic and universal you're not going to run into any any IP danger or copyright danger by by talking about an, an, a different type of OCP, a different type of Delta City, a different type of, you know, all that. You're not yeah. going to run into any... And you can have a Dick Jones who's, you know, uh, Bob Johnson. And it, it's, it's not really... It's not really going to make a, a difference. Putting it in the RoboCop universe sets certain bars. You need an actor who can be the same Dick Jones that the other actor was. You need to show this world that RoboCop is without getting into that Smallville area of when are they going to show RoboCop eventually. Right. right. If you don't have to meet those bars, you're not restrained by that, and you can tell this story that you want to tell mm-hmm. without having to meet this arbitrary bar that we're setting for it being RoboCop world. Yeah. Because I, somebody out there has to know one way or the other, because I was trying to research this. I seem to remember about 25 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, there was talk of doing a, a TV series about Delta City, so it was essentially the same kind of thing. It was like RoboCop without RoboCop, and it was about you know OCP going forward, building Delta City, you know displacing all of these you know Detroit residents, and where were they going to live? How are they going to survive, and so forth? So it was everything that you saw tangentially in RoboCop, but put into the forefront. And I don't think it ever got made. I they may have made a pilot. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but. If I remember correctly, that was another problem that they had is because, yeah, all of those themes were relevant, but people still saw it as a RoboCop vehicle. And they're like, where's RoboCop? Is RoboCop going to make an appearance? Blah, blah, blah. So I think the hampered by that. And the general public are going to want that. Yeah. And they're going to. And the people who are making that show are going to feel the pressure of that public. Right. And therefore, that's a bar that they have to deal with. They wouldn't have to if you just set it in a very similar vein. And again, you can create that, as Kay said, very easily by just changing a few names. Right. When it comes down to it. And it's it's kind of like the whole aspect. If you created a 2000 AD t- TV series. Yeah. Right. You could have a show about Mega City and all the judges that have to deal with all the crime and so on that have to deal with it and tell it from a different angle. But people are going to ask when Judge Dredd's going to come. Yeah. It's, it's just, if you set it in that world, people want the star of that world eventually. Yep. And as, as interesting as the world of RoboCop is, and it is super interesting, and you're right, there's a lot of fun things you can do with the commercials and the things that have happened in TV since then. I agree. 
but people are eventually going to want to see the star of the show. Yeah, because didn't we do a red light, green light on, was it Mega City 1, I think was the name of the show, and it was like everything about the city that, that, Honestly, that I don't where remember. Judge Dredd takes place be. in, but it was Judge Dreadless, and it was like, how is that going to work, you know? You know, are we going to see other judges? That actually I mean, sounds familiar. I swear we did either Could a be. red light, green light. I mean, as as with most things, I have yeah. vague memories of stuff after we've recorded the episode. We have a decade like, worth of shit we talked about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> decade and plus. And we're, we're dudes past our mid-40s. Well, Kay and I were just discussing last week, after you, like right after you left, like it's hard to believe it's been... A year now since we did episode 500. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's. Well over That kind of blew now. my mind. We, yeah. And again, everybody. Yeah. That was awesome what you did for us. Thank you again yeah. for yeah. The, and, the patches and, and the. We would apologize. Shout, cameo shout out and we, all that. We would uh, apologize for for dicking with you, but you know, that it's who we are. Well, we did apologize. Yeah, but. We, well. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. No, no, no. We, we did. We, if, look, oh. if you want to see our apology, just go to geekshock500.com. That's yeah. true. And our apology is there. There That's you true. go. That All is, right. That, fine. That, that, that I stand corrected. I stand corrected. <laughs> so, so I agree with you, Andy. There's an interesting show there, but if putting the Robocop moniker anywhere near it sets bars that they don't have to reach. It doesn't have to be in the Robocop yeah. universe. Yeah. Uh, next email, guys, what? I have a problem, a geeky problem. Oh, okay. The type of problem that only the finest minds on the planet can solve. But since they're busy, I'm turning to you. Uh, I was going to oh. say, why are they asking us? <laughs> Recently, I took part in one of those virtual cons, and I sent off my NECA Pennywise figure to be signed by the one and only Tim Curry. Ah. Now through a series of unfortunate events. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The figure was destroyed in transit while it was coming back to me. Those bastards. So the organizers of the con contacted Tim's people, and Tim got me another one, signed it, and I'm still waiting on it two months later. Oh, no. Now the organizers feel bad about this, and as their way of saying sorry, they're going to hook me up with an 8x10 signed photo of my choosing. Any of Tim's roles are up for grabs. Now, I already have signed photos of my three favorite roles, Frankenfurter, Pennywise, and Darkness. My question to you, which role should I pick for the fourth? So many choices Mm. and so much awesome. I I think I have narrowed it down to three roles, especially since his triple role of Ma, Pa, and Winona Brackett in Tales from the Crypt wasn't an option. So here's where you come in. Since there are three of you, I shall assign each of you one of my final choices, and you must present your argument as to why this is Tim's best role. Torgo, you get Hexus from Fern Gully. 80s, you get the Concierge from Home Alone 2. And K, you get the role I'm sure that would get me lynched if I didn't mention Wadsworth from Clue. So here ye, here ye, shock monkey court is now in session. The dishonorable Judge Jake is now presiding. Keep it civil or I'll have Bailiff Harris do what he does best, which is calmly ask you to leave the lair. Present your arguments, signed Jake. Mm. Well, that's the task, gentlemen. Tim Curry, three roles from Fern Gully, Home Alone 2, and Clue. We have been assigned uh, who we're supposed to defend. So uh, I know uh, what I was dis- was assigned, but I think I'm going to do that 
and also throw in a curveball. Okay. Because this goes right to a uh, YouTube uh, episode that I just recently watched. Oh, okay. And it's ironic because I watched this maybe four days ago, and then you're reading this email now, and I'm like, oh, it's still fresh in my brain, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, Tim Curry is the concierge. Um, I got to be honest, it's 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 a very... I, I went back and watched his scenes because I found Home Alone 2 on HBO Max last night. So this afternoon, I watched Tim Curry's scenes in that, and it is very 90s Tim Curry. Um, he's trying to make it his own, but it's more or less a side character that's not necessarily important. The ironic thing about his character is you're rooting... A, you're supposed to root against him in the in the movie, but as somebody from the service industry, he's actually <laughs> trying to do his job, yes. and it's that little shit Kevin McAllister right. that is breaking all the laws, breaking all the rules, right. and is getting away with it, and we're supposed to root for him. The little shit. Yeah, that little psychopath. He's he is a sociopath. He's a CEO. CEO, yeah. He's he's a sociopath. That that's funny. I would love to see a modern version of uh like a a, a look back at home the home alone cast now and Kevin McAllister is like some cutthroat CEO now that you're like, "Oh, it all makes sense." You that'd know. Be, that actually be. That little sociopath is now <laughs> the head of like a big com- company or grows <laughs> up to be Gordon Gecko in Wall Street 4. <laughs> um but yeah, so I mean He's Tim Curry. He's good at it. I mean, like, for an example, Tim Curry in Loaded Weapon 1. It's a very forgettable movie, you know, spoof of Lethal Weapon. But Tim Curry is hilarious in that as the assassin that's trying to kill Sam Jackson. He and has Emilio the Estevez. best moment in that movie. He, hands down. Than this yes, that <laughs> moment is the reason to watch Loaded Weapon. You and I saw it in the theater when we were little. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you and I, and, and we. Lost I think we were what shit. thirteen or fourteen, right? Yeah, it's 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 a funny movie, and in all of those spoof films that were coming out, I mean, there's parts of it that are very for kind of groans worthy, and you know, because that was at a time when spoof movies were just really kind of just being thrown against the wall and seeing what stuck, and it is funnier now for me going back as as a much older person looking back at it because. You've got Emilio Estevez, Samuel Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, Tim Curry, William Shatner, and they're all hilarious. At the time, I thought it was funny, but I think it's more funny now looking back at it because you see how well those actors owned those roles, those spoof roles that they were trying to play. But the curve I was going to throw is um, I just watched this video the other day about... uh, Tim Curry as Gomez Adams in the straight-to-video Adams Family Reunion. That's oh my God. a very forgotten. And yes, it's, very forgotten. It's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. I mean, literally, it's filled with elements of the TV series, elements of the cartoon series, elements of the previous movies, even though this was... A production that was done by Hyman Saban. Hyam, I forget how to say his. The Saban, the the Power Rangers guy, the guy that produced Power Rangers. That at at a certain time in the '90s, he bought up the TV rights to all of these little properties, 
even though there might have been a film franchise behind them that he would buy the tv rights wait for the films to stop being produced and then he'd throw something out so this was a straight to uh video release um the reason i bring it up is because of all the shit that's in that film tim curry is not trying to be raul julia's version of gomez adams he's making that role his own and playing it completely insane and he's very good at it. He makes that role his own. That's his own Gomez Adams. So it's amazing. In a, he's amazing, I should say, in a film that is lackluster and very forgettable. So that's my curve. But uh, All right. Anyway, it's it, Tim Curry's. Whatever you get signed, it's going to be amazing because he's Tim Curry. Right. Jeff, awesome. Thank but, you. Uh, Kay? Your defense of Wadsworth and Clue. Uh, that's I haven't <laughs> seen Clue ever. I was just gonna say that's so of the three that were presented to us, that's the one I was hoping I would get. I've never seen Clue either. So Jeff, yeah. d- defend well, Wadsworth well, well, and Clue. Well, geez, I was <laughs> going to do oh, my due oh, diligence. Oh, were you? Yes. Well, then by all means, do tell me about this movie you've never seen. I've seen the memes. <laughs> <laughs> and the memes are very good okay yeah you know how have I, you i've not? seen the gifs i expect I this from him i yeah. don't expect this from you how have you I never did. seen clue i just it's, it's okay it's, i haven't seen it either it's clue bullshit i know you've seen clue i watched it at your house with you years if I did, ago i forgot it all oh well maybe really maybe I he don't, i don't think i've ever seen it maybe he put in the non the theatrical cut instead of the director's cut. And see, I would, you know, it's like, why not get I it? I can remember watching Loaded Weapon with you. I can't remember yeah. watching Clue. I can't, I mean... I'm, if I I'm, had a nickel for all the things that you don't remember, good point. I'd yeah. be a wealthy man. The, 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 point. The, they're doing a great job taking care of him. I mean, talk about a whole thing beset with catastrophe. No you know? But, I mean, get a get an 8 by 10 uh of him as Doctor Petrov from Hunt from Red October, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or 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 the the real Long John Silver from Muppet Treasure oh, Island. Oh God, sure. Well, I forgot you know, he was in that. <laughs> yeah, so you know, but I mean, hey, uh, you know, Wadsworth, the uh, uh, the 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 gifs are funny. You know, the the going in the door, going out the door. Uh, what is he? He's facing off with, I think, Madeline Kahn. You know, um, uh, you know, I. I'm, no, I'm, no darkness. I'm. No, completely, he already has darkness. He does have yeah, darkness. He has the darkness. Right? Oh, okay. That's one of the three important. Ones. I have to say, oh, okay. I am. I am completely disheartened by the fact that there's no defensive clue. At all right now. No, there's a defense. I gave I just did the memes, memes. memes and gifs. Memes and gifs. That's it's GIFs. such a brilliant film. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a brilliant little comedy. Bill Sykes in the Oliver Twist TV movie from 1982. Are you just right. you have IMDb and you're just reading it now? Yeah, because because I'm because I'm restraining the seething rage right now. He's Will I'm going Shakespeare. To say, in a 1978 TV miniseries of William Shakespeare. I would like to watch that. Yeah. I'm going to say, here's, the, here's the, the two choices for you, Jake, for your 8x10. Tim Curry is the wilderness girl from Loaded Weapon. 
or the butler from Clue. That, that's that's okay. my two cents. All right. Well, now it's my turn because I was tasked with uh, defending his role of Haxon in uh, Ferngully. Uh, I've never seen Ferngully. You're not missing much on that one. Uh, but I have seen Avatar. So I assume uh-huh. Haxon is the... And I know that Avatar and Ferngully are the same movie because I've been told. Mm. And so I'm guessing that Haxon is the Sigourney Weaver role. So, so, so since Sigourney Weaver is awesome, I, I think that that's the one you should choose because Avatar. There you uh, go. Otherwise, Avatar. Otherwise, seriously, my suggestion was going to be that you get the Wilderness Girls as well. So that's two vote for Wilderness Girls. There you uh, go. Officially. Because um, that's that, the first thing I think of when I think of him in a comedy now. That seed cracks me up because it's that fisheye lens yes. where he's looking out the people. Wilderness Girls. And his delivery is <laughs> spectacular. Yeah. Cardinal Richelieu. And the Three Musketeers. Oh, they have yeah, right. that's true too. No, not really. I stick by my original <laughs> recommendation, but yeah, he is he is fun in that role too. He's even though it's it's overall he's fun and everything. Or a film that has a lot of ups and downs. You in know quality. what? You know what? Jake, put it out there. Just 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 man right up and make a demand and just get an eight by ten of him holding a sign saying "Love you, Jake." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 no, no movie or anything like that. Just, just you know, get him to record a cameo thing for you. There you go. <laughs> now he's making demands you on know. this nice thing that they're doing for yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, dude, I'm so sorry that That's... it has just been such a fucking catastrophe for you. Yeah. Good Lord in heaven. But it's yeah. awesome though that. Tim's Tim and Tim's people the, and, the, the, and the con people are the, doing bending the over con backwards. People to make are this doing happen. so much yeah. to that is that is wonderful too. I'm I'm very very heartened to hear that as a, as opposed to like Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> so it's two votes for Wilderness Girls, uh, one for uh, Wadsworth. Oh yeah, because I said Clue. I did. You, get you did two. two. Jeff, Jeff gets two votes apparently. Yeah, it's well, you know, two vote Jeff. It's it's he's a Democrat, so. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, Lord. yeah. We, yeah. We, we vote twice in the yeah. There, there you That's go. What we do. Vote I'm early, vote often. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever you, Jake, listen to your heart, not some goofs on the internet. When it's calling to you. No, fuck you. <laughs> Right? Yeah. No. I, I, I'm always. You I, I'm always. I did. I'm, I'm always there to say fuck you to Jeff. <laughs> Andy's not here. Andy does frequently. So I was gonna say more so now that he doesn't have Andy to pick. That's on. right. But seriously, seriously, Jake. Wilderness girls. Yeah. That's the answer. That is the answer. There you go. He's got the full-on beard. <laughs> Wilderness girls. Uh, it, it, it's. This is. I think this is going to go on for the rest of the episode. It's, it's okay. It can. You're going to be reading, and Jeff's just going to start laughing. <laughs> uh, good times. Good times. Yeah. Speaking of good times, not so much news you don't give a shit about. Oh. What do we not give a shit about today? L.A. Comic-Con is planning to move forward with its December event at the L.A. Convention Center, though it's currently illegal to hold such gatherings in California. 
Oh, okay. It's more likely that they'll end up having to refund everyone's purchases. Quote, under current state health guidelines, conventions are not allowed. Uh, Duane Luce, uh, the executive director of the Los Angeles Department of Convention and Tourism Development, told the LA Times, quote, it's not known when they will be allowed, unquote. Uh, while the cons website has plenty of health guidelines, the convention is unlikely to happen. Uh, the con will also live stream its main panels, so why the fucking live shit? Yeah. <sighs> and you know what? I'm going to combine that with another news you don't give a shit about because it's kind of related. Uh, news you don't give a shit about. It was announced that the release of the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, was pushed back from November 20th, 2020 to April 2nd, 2021. In response to that, Cineworld is closing down 128 of its UK and Ireland cinemas, as well as its US Regal chain as of next week. Uh, Regal is the number two movie theater chain in the US with 7,155 screens in 543 theaters in 42 states. They closed in mid-March due to the pandemic and reopened where they could just prior to the release of Tenet. During their recent six-month earnings filing ending in June 30th, Cineworld issued the following statement as they deal with the $8.2 billion in debt. The future of movie theaters has been in question since the start of the pandemic, and the way that they've played out the past few months is not good. <sighs> Listen, yeah. uh, for, for both of this, the economy is not going to happen until this pandemic is under control. Until leadership takes it reins and does something about it, th this shit's gonna falter over and over again. Why? You you can open, you can just say tomorrow that we're gonna open everything up and just go have at it. People aren't going to go. Why? Because we have seen people get sick and die. Yeah. We have seen people lose their jobs because of it. Because people won't go there. My place is open. And the only people that are going to it right now are, frankly, the fucking scum of the earth. Yeah. I, I'm talking to my fellow bartenders, and the people that are coming to Vegas right now, overall, are assholes. Yep. They are shitty people treating people horribly. Because... Violence on the strip. Violence on the strip has gone up. And it is, it is nuts to see. Because why? Because the normal people know it's not safe yet. And the loonies are out that are out there willing to risk their health to do crazy shit. For, for a, a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is they're ignoring a lot of the safety guidelines. The one that I keep hearing a lot of from my friends who are back at work is that these are the type of people that you expect to not get tipped by. And when you are an employee that relies on tips as a significant part of your income, it's not just a bonus, you know, it's, it's a necessary part of your income. And when you know that you're waiting on a table of inconsiderate people who are not following safety guidelines, putting you in danger and not taking care of you so that you can pay your bills, there's no point for you being there. So that's the one side of it, especially with the, the, the tourism part of Las Vegas. The other part that I have issue with is a lot of these smaller convention organizers are talking about doing conventions over the next few months. 
Like, we I, like have, through, through January. We have the horror convention coming up here in a couple of weeks. I think it's going to get canceled. It's, I honestly it's, do. It's very And frankly, I hope it does. Why? Because we don't need a goddamn spreader event. Yeah. And, and even the guy, even though the governor opened up more people to certain events, yes. I still don't see how they could put on this, this upcoming horror convention safely, let alone in a way that you're going to make it enjoyable for the, for the crowd or the, the, the attendees, the, the actors, the producers, et cetera, that would be there making an appearance. How are you going to keep them safe and make it an enjoyable event? You can't because if you're going to make it absolutely safe, it's not going to be enjoyable. If you're going to make it absolutely enjoyable, it's not going to be safe at all. And frankly, right now, I don't see a middle ground for any type of convention, let alone, I miss these conventions too. My God, yes. I have been mostly quarantined in my house for the last seven months. I rarely leave the house unless it's absolutely necessary. I don't like it. It's not good for my mental health. It's not good for my pocketbook. But to be honest, the alternative is not good. I have two friends that very fortunately have recovered from COVID, but both of them were hit hard. And they were trying to be safe. They were following guidelines that were put in place to protect them, and they still got it. I had a former coworker who passed away from it after a very brief fight with it. He got sick and died in less than a week, in less than seven days. And he was in a casino that was off the strip. He was following these protocols that were put in place to try to keep him safe, and he still got the sick. And and lest you forget that, oh, we're just going to be real reactionary because of whatever political... Listen, don't forget that one of the members of this show has been fighting this disease for the last eight months. That's what he does for his job. He lets us know what he sees, and he also lets us know his anger on how he sees one side of a political spectrum gaslighting everybody else trying to say it's not a big deal when it is yeah i i can't imagine having to go through daily what he has to go through he's watched multiple people pass away from this and not only pass away but die horribly in pain in suffering and he sees this over and over and over again and he has separated himself from the show hopefully not permanently but to protect us the three of us that are that are here recording the podcast right now, he's doing it to keep us safe. And he's repeatedly said so, that as much as he wants to be back on the show and wants to participate, he's staying clear because he's exposed to COVID every day. And he's had to isolate how many times he's had to go into quarantine? I'm not sure how many, but I, more than I, one. More than once. I it, know that. Multiple times. And I can't imagine... How scary that has to be every time he has to go through that and then have to go back into that environment. As much as I want things to go back to normal, there is no going back to normal. There will not be a new norm, a, a going back to normal after this. There will be some semblance of routine, I guess, someday in the future, but we're all going to have to be more vigilant. 
we're all going to have to be a little extra cautious. I want these things to happen more than, than, than you guys know, but I will not be participating in anything until there is an effective treatment and or vaccine. Yes. Same here. There is, there is a Star Trek convention still scheduled for December. I have had multiple people that I get to see only once a year in person. I mean, I still chat with them online and so forth. I'm multiple people asking me if I'm going to be there, and I told them I'm not going to be there. Whether it does or doesn't get canceled, I don't know. I will not be attending because I'm not going to put myself in that situation. And I'm not alone in this. Nope. I, I know several people that not only live here in Vegas, but live in other states that have said, I had my tickets for it. I'm I'm getting the the credit for next year because I can't see myself flying on a plane, getting to Vegas, participating. It's not going to be enjoyable because even if they're trying to be safe, it's going to be a clusterfuck of trying to get autographs. You're not going to be able to do the photo ops. You're not going to do all the things that make that convention worth Mixing going to. Mixing with people yes. is what makes the convention yes. fun. You know, going to the bar, having a drink with somebody that you haven't yeah. really got to spend any personal time with for 12 months. Walking around the vendors area, which is a big room yes. stuffed with a jillion people. Yeah. Running into people you haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. You know, running into to people maybe that do a, a podcast or a, a YouTube program that you you highly respect and then getting to exchange information about why you enjoy their their product and in and, and that mutual respect that comes from doing something like this i miss that i am going to miss that this year will it happen next year i don't know where we're going to be by july of next year which is when it typically happens i i want to have hope that there's going to be a vaccine or effective treatment that's going to protect us and make those kinds of things available to us again but i don't have any faith that it's going to be by january or february of next year i just don't and i'm not going to put myself in that kind of danger because i'm at high risk i'm just not no and nor should you and nor should anyone nor should anyone have to I, i know that some of our listeners hate when we get political and I get it. I understand it. It's not well, why you. See, come, it's, see, not, it's not why. It's not why yeah. you come to the show. But see, this isn't political. No, no, no. I know. This is science. I know. In fact, I I am prefacing what I'm about to say. Oh, okay. Jeff, I got you. Because uh, I am. I just it, because so so much has been made political of this sure. thing when it should not be. Right. That's why I thought. No, I'm prefacing what I'm about to say, and it's simple. Vote. Yes. Vote for people who follow the science. If you do that, you'll get these things on track faster instead of somebody who's trying to tell you to pretend that it doesn't exist. Vote for people who follow the science. You can see who they are right now because the ones who aren't are getting really sick in Washington. Vote. It's for this reason alone. It's never been more important. We're moving on. 
And there's some more news you don't give a shit about that is not so much that. <laughs> well, I, 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 I hope Jeff doesn't give a shit about this news because <laughs> he seems to have an awful lot of, to say about stuff he doesn't give a shit about. Well, it, it's, you know where it, it goes. literally you know was goes. something that, that I didn't give a shit about, but it morphed into something that I have become very passionate about. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it has become a politicized issue when it's a factual issue has concerned me especially as somebody that i'm not a political person i just really i don't engage in a lot of politics i especially don't engage in that online people ask me where i stand a lot of time i'm very middle of the road on a lot of things but i let facts guide my choices Mm -hmm. and when this whole outbreak started to become politicized i i saw friends that I've known for decades start following poor advice and doing stupid things that I never would have thought I'd ever see them do. That is why I'm passionate about it. And I find find, uh, it, frankly, morally repugnant. I'm, I'm... so upfront disgusted by COVID death deniers. The fact that there are people in the country who deny that over 200,000 Americans have died from this uh, actually uh, upsets me on a moral level. That's one of the reasons why I kind of resist the whole getting political slant to it because to me... It's not a political issue. It's a moral issue. I've, I've unfriended it's, people it's, and I've lost friendships uh, because, not because I disagree with people's politics, but because I have found their, their stance on the, the death denial morally uh, objectionable. Well, and, and, and even beyond a moral issue, it's, it's a flat out health issue. Mm-hmm. Health, well, healthy versus unhealthy behavior. Yeah. Well, and that—that's where my aspect right. of moral, part of my aspect of moral, comes into. And and like I said before, having two close friends get this and get really bad cases of it, it's it's too close to home for me to just say I'm gonna. I don't care because I do care. And I think Kay uh, put the exclamation point on that just now. <laughs> oh, this. You're not gonna. You're not gonna edit this one out. All right. I could edit that all out. <laughs> that whole thing may not have been heard by anyone. Oh no, that's not what except I do. That's not the how I two do. of us, <laughs> Todd. Uh, news you don't give a shit about. Oh, the places you'll go hmm. will be adapted into a film. Interesting. From, from producer J.J. Abrams, alongside two movies about the Cat in the Hat. Uh, first is a main animated version, simply called The Cat in the Hat. And the second is a spinoff about the iconic label-wearing thing, or- thing, thing orange. Thing one and thing two. <laughs> I know who I think is thing orange. <laughs> These plans started back in 2018, and they're meant to become the start of a, quote, Seuss universe. Unquote. A Seussiverse. A Seussiverse. Thank you. <laughs> Quote, for the first time, we're not just doing one film for one book. We're going to franchise build beyond the initial story of the these shared books. shared world of Star Seuss. Well, I mean, it all kind of technically is a shared yeah. world. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah, you just, <laughs> just, just green light that, Mr. Uh... We're going to franchise beyond the initial story of these books and find out what happens next, said Susan Brandt, uh, president of Dr. Seuss Enterprises, continuing... 
I call it stretching the fabric. How far can it go? This is a quote. To go a little bit deeper with our characters, unquote. I call it stretching the fabric? Yeah, yeah. I call it that too, a little bit. When you're, sure. when you're creating a plot out of all the places you will go. Uh, the Cat in the Hat is set for 2024, 20, and then 2026 comes Thing 1 and Thing 2. And oh, the places you'll go in 2027. Um, sure. I mean, anything's got to be better than the Mike Myers cat in the hat. That that was pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. I I don't want to say it was a terrible film, but it just wasn't a, it wasn't a good, funny interpretation. It had a couple of chuckle moments, but other than that, it, it was, was just very it manic. Was very blah. Yeah. Very manic. Yeah. But but yeah. it gets the cat in the hat. I can can be manic. Cat in the hat's kind of manic. He's a yeah. He's, he's a nutball. Yeah. Comes exactly. in and destroys your house. Cleans it up afterwards, but he destroys it. Does lots of air fucking. He does a lot of air fucking. And even the the Jim Carrey Grinch. I know a lot of people love it, but I thought it was just okay. Uh, the you know what they got the aesthetic right, and I assume yeah. they'll get the aesthetic nailed because I'm sure. I mean, they're they're the. Thing about Seuss books is you know one when you're looking at one. Yes, and so there's no way they're gonna go away from that. So at least you get to see that in motion. Horton hears a who wasn't bad. That's true, but that was animated, right? You're that right. was a CG. Yeah, sure. And one of these is gonna be they, animated. They've done better when it's animated because um, the uh, oh shoot the the orange one with the trees that's totally uh, the the lor- Lorax. Lorax. That was apparently pretty good. I only saw bits of it. I didn't see that one. um, But that was another animated one. Um, On an interesting side note, they finally tore down the 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 Who Village from the Grinch at the the Universal Bad Lot Tour because that was there for a long time. It was, and and it was looking dilapidated last time I saw it. um, Well, you know, coming up on three years ago is the last time I I went to Universal. The Grinch came back. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah make good on his word yeah and apparently they've torn it down and they've they they are building something new in that area Ooh. but i mean it was so weird because i went out That's there a disney thing i remember seeing it in 2005 like maybe they'll do fern gully yeah and then in like 2015 i was like wow this is still here 10 years later and they haven't shot a new i mean the one that still gets me is that they still have the 747 wreckage from War of the Worlds there. You know what? I mean, yes. I, that that was such a big undertaking to produce. I can kind of understand why that's still there. But the Who Village, it was like, it was just sitting there falling apart. They weren't doing any repainting or upgrading. It was that, just literally there And that's really apart. the real crime of it. Not that yeah. the, it existed for so long, but the fact that it just didn't take care of it when it was kind of a thing that was the tram is going to go by the Who Village eventually, yep. so be on the lookout. Because let's face it, that, that the tram overall is about the magic of Hollywood yeah. that's been done already. Right. Not, not what's upcoming, things you've seen. It's the Hill Valley Clock. Yeah. It is the, uh, well, there's no longer any pieces of Jaws left in the Jaws thing. Right. But at one point, there was actual pieces from the Jaws movie there. Yep. Uh, it's, it is, and of course, the Psycho 
uh, hotel. Yeah. I, I remember every time you'd round the corner from the Who Village and you were right in front of the Bates Motel looking up the, the hill at the... Uh, the... It, it, yeah, it's about going to these places where they've done some actual filming. And of yeah. course, yes, they also built things just to be events to keep you interested in this, keep the kids, kiddies watching. I always found the dichotomy fascinating because you would pass by the Who Village, which was falling apart and then you go around the corner to the the Bates Motel which is highly maintained yes but meant to look like it was dilapidated so it's like they've a lot of care went into to make it look run down and beat up whereas the other was just being left to the to the elements and I, I always found that fascinating how much time and effort went into one and zero into the other so I'm kind of sad that they're losing the who village because it it doesn't look like anything else in yeah. the universal tram ride there's nothing that's, that's true. like that yeah uh, and if they're doing it to build something else I hope they're doing it to build something else to make a movie not to make an attraction for the ride I think they are I'd have to go back and look at my something that is like this is a set that was used to film X movie right because otherwise the, the they've invented enough attractions for sure. it. And I understand wanting to create new ones, but frankly, at this point, if you want to create a new one, get rid of an old one. Yeah. Don't, I mean, don't get rid of a piece of, even even though I know the Grinch has its detractors, and I'm not a huge fan of it myself, but I am appreciative of the aesthetic of that film, and that Who Village is that aesthetic. I know they'll never do it, even though it's one of the worst attractions on the the backstage tour, is the Fast and Furious ride. It's awful. Now, now, you're, it's it's the last thing you hit on the. You're, you're tour. talking about the new kind of visual virtual one, not the one where the cars jump up and spin around for no damn good reason. Oh no, that one was actually interesting compared to the newer That's one. That's what I mean. They yeah, have, it's this 4D experience kind of thing. That it's 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 goddamn ridiculous. Uh, there's plenty of like effect. Uh, theme park history does a great one on. The, the Fast and the Furious yes. ride. And like the guy actually breaks down a few times and can't continue. It's just, it, it's it's terrible. You got I mean, a guy holding onto a helicopter that's about a third of the size of a real helicopter. It's yeah. goofy. It's supposed to be like this drone helicopter, but it looks, car- and the funny thing is how much time and effort went into making this thing. And their goal was to make it look visually realistic. Like they shot, real parts of LA and real models and all this stuff to composite together. And once it's put together, it looks like a cheap video game. It really does. It's so awful. Uh, that Watch watch the videos on it. Uh, sure. Theme Park History is the one I recommend. It's The guy literally can't continue several times. He's just, I can't. And I don't get do and don't get me wrong. Uh, Fast and Furious absolutely deserves a place in yes. the Universal tour. It's it is a them, tour de force. It's made Universal billions. Yes, billions plural. But the attraction deserves a lot better than yes, that guy. That's that's I think ultimately what it comes down to. Let's, it deserves a better attraction. Let's do some weekend geek. Woohoo! Soupsiverse. Soupsiverse. Like soup plantation. <laughs> Seuss plantations. <laughs> that's that's an awful visual. <laughs> God damn it! No, I nope. just had to throw no that brain. in there. So no, that... no brain. You're not allowed. Well, Professor Biggs is so de- depressed about Seuss plantation being eradicated. Yeah, eradicated is a good word for it. Seuss yeah. plantation.
Anytime I can throw the word in there, it make him go, oh. <laughs> Netflix is developing Conan the Barbarian for an epic live action series, quote unquote. It is the first step in an optioning deal struck between the streamer and Conan Properties International, which will see Netflix have the exclusive option rights to the Conan library. Currently, the first series is looking for its showrunner and director in no word when Conan the Barbarian is expected to hit Netflix. And I say first series because, yes, they will probably branch out with it since they have the full rights to everything else. As long as mm-hmm. I get to see another Conan the Librarian, I'll be happy. You're not going to. <laughs> Jeff is not going to be happy. <laughs> Good. Jeff's unhappiness is my happiness. Uh, Kirsten shaking his head at that one was was mm. was worth every moment. <laughs> Netflix did fine with The Witcher, so yes, yeah. go yeah. ahead and Conan it up. I think. Well, uh, you're our resident expert. What do you think of this news, Kay? Um, it could be it it could be very be just like you said with The Witcher. Um, uh, what I've read of The Witcher, I'm I'm happy with what they've done. So. I'm confident they'll do good stuff with Conan. Because you're very critical about all the, prob- <clears throat> the the different forms of media that have been put out there over well, the yeah, years. Well, because, yeah, because they don't... I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying yeah. you're... The vast, the vast majority of all the Conan stuff that has come out has been actually variations of the Milius, the Milius, Milius, John Milius... And uh, Oliver Stone movie, the 1982 Conan, rather than something from Robert E. Howard's work. When the general right. public thinks Conan, they think that movie. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so... Forever associated <clears throat> with Schwarzenegger, yeah. right, right or wrong. Exactly. And it's, and it's funny, too, because Conan 82 is actually one of the best fantasy films of the 80s. I think it yeah. may be the best, and it's one of the best fantasy films ever. It's just, it's actually not Robert E. Howard's Conan. So it's sort of like, okay, so where do you go from there? So, but Netflix seems to do a good job of of adapting and finding people to do the adapting and stuff. So... So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it because I think they, they could very well get it right. Uh, my, my, uh, wow, what the hell is Kit? Look, he looks like he's pissed. Look he at is. Him. He, we, he, he has not gotten the amount of scritches he normally gets. Well, he's not on the table. I don't understand why he's there on the couch looking pissed. It's weird. I don't think he looks pissed. I think he looks kind of depressed. He's like like almost like he's getting sick or something. He's been in the house 7 months, okay. Oh. Well, thanks a lot, Jeff. I really needed to hear that as I'm spiraling into my last 100 bucks in the bank account. Are you okay, Kidder? Cuz now he's looking directly at me now that he knows I'm talking about it. He's just seepy. Where was I? Okay, so yeah, I think they'll do a good job. I think the best approach would actually be to not do the stories in order of publication, but to do the stories in the order of his timeline and to go from when he is a kid in Samaria, leaving the his homeland, to eventually becoming king of Aquilonia. You could do that over several seasons. Uh, get the get the right actor. Everybody gets caught up in the whole let's hire a muscle-bound dude, and it's like, no, 
you know, thank God bless Henry Cavill because at least he showed that, you know, whether it's Superman or, or Witcher, that you can, you can be an actor and actually bulk up. I mean, yeah, God, you can, you can God, be physically fit, but not have to be right. bodybuilder level. Exactly. And, giant. and you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that anyway. Cause it, and it, it, it always irritates me cause I'll breeze by those forums and everyone will talk about casting Conan, and they always start reciting all these WWE guys and everything like that. And it's like, no, you, you. Yeah, I've always mm, w- wondered why nuts. with the with the barbarian archetype, why they always go for the, you know, the Mister Olympia type be- body style or the Schwarzenegger because of Schwarzenegger. But what, what's, what's, the name I mean, of, what's the name of the artist that that's his style? I can't remember it right. Vallejo. Yeah, Vallejo. Boris what, what, Vallejo. Doesn't, don't you think that he harbors some of the guilt in this? Oh, sure. But I think, uh, and and you you do have a good point because some of his stuff is pre is pre Conan eighty two, mm. definitely. But uh, I mean, I think really the the Schwarzenegger really make made an impression. Now you had like Jason Momoa who uh, the, everything that might have been wrong with the Conan remake was not his fault. Yeah. And so... Yeah, just that, that one was poor writing. It, yeah, was, it, it was not an acting or, I guess, portrayal of no, the character no, so no, much no. as it was the way it was just, just their the dialogue choices. was bad. And, and that's one of the things that I'm... The, one of the things that I'm worried about is they, they want to go for a central bad guy which there is none, there is no central evil guy that, you know, and, of course, avoid all the cliches of Conan's tragic childhood because he didn't actually have one, and, and you know, hopefully they'll, they'll do all that. So, for me, it's like, you know, you might have issues with bulking up or not, but to be perfectly honest, I think the best guy who could have done Conan... Uh, at least like 10 years ago or so, is Carl Urban. Mm. You look at Aomir in Lord of the Rings. I was just going to say, Lord of the Rings, Carl and, Urban. And is. that's where that, 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 that scrunched-browed, hawk-like stare, I think a lot of that can be, can be uh, a, a good indication of what he would have been like as Conan. Huh. And, uh, and you know, I mean, sure, a lot of it was costume, but he was definitely a little more bulky in uh, th- uh, Thor uh, Ragnarok. So you could see that, he, you know, I think he could do it. He could be that, that level. So he's, for me, is, in terms of just pure actor, is the man I would say you would want. I like that choice. For Conan. Yeah, I think, I think he could totally, totally do it. Uh, but anyway, um, wherever, I mean, of course, Netflix is going to go with someone, you know, in their 20s. Um, and frankly, if, you're, if, if they do actually track it appropriately, you're going to want someone a little, get someone in that zone who can look a little younger and then eventually age into where you want them to be. I think, uh, I think it could actually go very well. So long as they, so long as they really... Look at the the uh, source material and realize, fuck these fucking save the cat writers. Mm. Realize that Conan has an arc, 
it is through all of the stories. It's not within any one story. And stop adapting one story for a movie and then trying to squeeze some kind of character arc in there because you got to have some kind of character development thing. So, but I think, I think uh, if anyone can do it, I mean, I would say, you know, hey, Netflix or HBO Max. So Netflix is doing it. Hey. Go Netflix. It's got potential. Yes. I'm happy with it. Hey, on that subject, yes. real quick. Uh, since we're talking about Conan, I want to I wanna just bring this up real quick. I've joked about, you know, there are guys in Hollywood who are obviously listening to us and taking our ideas. <laughs> it's um, true, though. It's very yeah. true. In September, Charles R. Saunders was announced. It was announced that he had passed away. Saunders was the, uh, he's called the father of sword and soul, which is a sword and sorcery genre that is actually... African-centric, Afrocentric, if you will, black. Um, and his character, Imaro, was essentially a black Conan. And the world was actually um, uh, like, like uh, Robert E. Howard's in terms of a, a historical analog, but it was African, the, the, the continent of Africa, sub-Saharan Africa. Nyumbani was the land, which is actually a, uh, from a Swahili word for home. Hmm. Um, there was a bit of tragedy for Saunders because he actually, his health had been failing for the past few years and he was a rather, he was a weirdly reclusive but engaged individual. He had no landline, he had no internet, he had no mobile home, mobile phone at home in Dartmouth, uh, Nova Scotia. But he was a journalist, and he would keep in contact with people just by moving about and communicating as well as letters. He apparently died alone in a hospital in May, and the medical examiner couldn't even find family for him, so he was buried in an unmarked grave. Originally, I was going to actually ask if anybody could participate in a GoFundMe that had been set up to do his grave marker, but they funded they funded and have actually exceeded Charles R. Saunders' uh, GoFundMe for his grave marker, so that's been taken care of. And quickly. Yeah, yeah, they did it within about 24 hours. And it was a, and they're doing something extensive, like maybe even reburying him or something, because they, they asked for $15,000. And they got, they're already at 16000 She was so, probably even more than that now. Yeah. But I get a prop, proper memorial stone. Yeah. But I am going to play on my uh, joke of Hollywood listening to Geek Shock because one of Saunders' dreams was to actually see his work, uh, his Imaro, Imaro, I-M-A-R-O, um, or he actually had a female sword and sorcery character, Dusuye, who uh, he wrote a number of stories about her as well. Uh, once again, African-based uh, sword and sorcery, sword and soul. But to see that adapted by Hollywood. So if anyone in Hollywood is out there who actually is listening, look for the Charles R. Saunders estate. There is actually someone, I believe, who is handling it. I don't... I'm doing this right off the top of my head, spur of the moment, so I don't have a name, but... If you're looking for one fantasy 
and two, you're angling for diversity and a non-Western traditional fantasy, you've already got a property out there that is waiting to be adapted, and that would be Charles Saunders' uh, Nyambani uh, uh, stories with uh, Imaro or uh, Desouye. So think about that. If anybody out there is actually of the uh, adapting type. So I did want to actually full-on say that. Yeah, man. I love it. If I had the cash, I'd fucking option it. I'll Damn tell right. you that. Green light. Jamie Foxx is in final talks to return to the role of Max Dillon, a.k.a. Electro, in the upcoming third installment of Marvel and Sony's Tom Holland-led Spider-Man franchise. Shit. Right? Fox previously played the role in 2014's The Amazing Spider-Man 2, the second and final film in the now-defunct version of the franchise, starring Andrew Garfield as the title superhero. Uh, Simmons shocked fans in 2019 when he made a surprise as a return as J. Jonah Jameson at the end of Far From Home. Uh, Director John Watts is returning to direct the third film, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 cast Fox's Electro as a soft-spoken engineer obsessed with the power of electricity who was granted superpowers by an ancient by an accident in Oscorp Lab. An ancient by accident. An ancient, an, yes. <laughs> the character's introduction and his ties to Oscorp were part of the franchise's master plan to introduce a Oscorp-backed version of the Sinister Six. But Amazing Spider-Man 2 disappointed in both critically and financially. And the sequels were shelved. The still untitled current sequel is slated for November 5th of 2021. Uh, Jamie Foxx has been talking more about it since, so I'm assuming he's he's in now. And he Could says be. he's not going to be blue, <laughs> so they're not going to take the same aesthetic. But I like I like having Jamie Foxx playing that same role because it's not his fault that Spider-Man 2 was poor. Well, it, they've already established the multiverse, so... Are they going to... True continue the story or are they going to reintroduce so. electro i think they're going to reintroduce electro that's interesting yeah i mean but i don't know i don't have inside information i'm just making an assumption here yeah so because it, it the whole J. jonah james thing was kind of odd at the end of the last spider-man because because yeah. he was not a part of this new canon if you will at least not that we had seen on screen before right so you know, so whether it was and, you know, they just had it secretly waiting the whole time or I, who knows? I mean, Sony's trying to work that whole what they've established versus what they can introduce in the standalone films because of the Marvel deal. And J.K. Simmons was an amazing J. Joe McDonaldson. Yes. So having him back in this is Hands great. down. And uh, frankly, I don't think Fox got a chance to really shine in as his role in Electro in no. that film either. That the film was a bit of a mess in its overarching story. <laughs> Messes you just you being kind. <laughs> so I'm glad and I'm glad to see him get another shot. Yeah. In, in this role. And and apparently uh uh Fige was a big fan Feige. of the uh, that's why I said Fige and of his take Perfect. on that role. So I, I I'm feeling that that's probably why he's back. Cool. And I mean, and, and Fox, I th think, not to his disservice, I think they made him try to make that character more comedic, and it came across as kind of hammy, whereas Fox 
probably wanted to play it more straight. And maybe he sees this as an opportunity to get to portray the character. Maybe there's a lot of conjecture that, in that yes, sentence. Though. No, I mean that's that's true. I'm I'm making assumptions based on what he's done with other characters. Sure, because so, we know he can act. My God, yes, he's he's a fantastic actor, and he's good at doing both serious drama and comedy. So, I most of what Amazing Spider-Man Two fails at, I personally feel was a studio direction and a writing direction i think it's less to do with the actors and how they wanted to perform the characters and more like can you do it like this or this is the material they're presented with and how do you make that work and that's kind of from i i've seen enough i i haven't been able to watch Spider amazing spider-man 2 all the way through i just <laughs> i haven't been able to i've watched it i've watched it in chunks to the point where i can tolerate it no longer and i have to shut it off there's but, a few Superman, Superman, superhero movies that made me actively mad when it was done, and that was one of them. I just get the impression that Fox's performance is not what he wanted to do, just from watching his his mannerisms while he's doing that. So I think it's like he wanted to portray the character, but was not being allowed to portray it in the way that he wanted. So and now we get a second shot. Yeah, exactly, and and. You know, you live and learn. Maybe he learned things about the portrayal in the first go around that he's like, I don't want to repeat that, or I didn't get to do this last time. Maybe I can do this this time. You know, it it's is always a, good to have a second. But it chance. is a really interesting choice because J. Jonah Jameson, kind of a, I would say an ancillary. He's not an, an a he's an overall antagonist, but in the background kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Whereas this one, this is a guy that played the villain of the movie he was in. And I love how they made him kind of the head of like a TMZ style oh, perfect. version of it. Because, yeah, the Daily Bugle, not as relevant yeah, anymore. And I think that's it's been in comics for a little bit too. So Has it? Okay. I'm, I, I'm pretty it's, sure. It's been a while since I've delved into any of the... I mean, even the uh, yeah. Spider, Spider-Man uh, video game. That's Right. That's I true. I have no idea. James, Joma Jameson's are a Rush Limbaugh-esque personality. Yeah. Uh, I, but was, my I was God. going Alex Jones... Okay, yeah, more Alex yeah. Jones, you're right. Getting to see J. J. Jonas Jameson present that personality to the public versus, you know, in the first two Spider-Man films with Tobey Maguire, we would see that character, but we as the audience would see that. The public didn't see that characterization. So now the public has seen that characterization for the modern take, it is it is better. And it's brilliant. Yeah. I, I mm-hmm. think it was a brilliant choice. It caught me so off guard. I was not yeah. expecting that. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, that was worth sticking around in the theater for. Oh, sure. And let's face it. I mean, it, it sets off a bomb for the next yeah. movie. So. I mean, I, I was amazed how they had totally blown up that whole potential for the future of him being... Okay, I'm your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I'm the hero, and I get my anonymity. And oh no, all that's thrown out the window. Now I'm like, I sat there after the the lights came on, going, "Wow, what the fuck are they gonna do with the next film? <laughs> that's Let okay. alone the next crossover into See, the MCU that's okay. films." That's that, what I'm talking about with the boys injecting yeah. it and then credits. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's okay because uh, you know. The fourth Spider-Man movie, he'll meet up with Mephisto, who will just erase, <laughs> erase you know, everyone's it, undo mind, everything, and you know, <laughs> then they won't know who he is. And then we'll have Paul going, "God damn it!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, I, I I can imagine being like in the theater and that happens, and I'll just hear from like two theaters down, 
What the fuck? God damn it. (laughs) 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 They killed the franchise. (laughs) Uh, What autograph do you think Jake should get? Write to us. Comments at uglycotshow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. Wilderness Girls, Jeff. Susiverse K. We'll talk to you next week in Geek. <laughs> uh, you know what? The, the, it's funny. The moment I read that email, that's what went to my mind. That's what yeah. I, I'm like. That's Wilderness Girls. That's what it needs to get. I just thought it was ironic because I had just days ago watched that. I mean, I had forgotten wait, about they, that Adam's watch, wait, family. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, Adam's family. The The... The, vid- oh, okay. the YouTube video about gotcha. the Adams Family reunion. I thought you recently like, watched Loaded Weapon. No, no, no. I mean, just the <laughs> fact that that it was in the zeitgeist and then this email hits. It was just one oh, of those like, oh, mm. I can connect the two on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, Andy style. Yay. Uh, the, this begins with this letter and this begins with the same letter. Connection. <laughs> No, I think mine was was <laughs> more more directly connected than your typical fact check Andy story. <laughs> That's right. We played Gloomhaven and he didn't. Um, 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 um